Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Universe. I am coming to you live tonight from outside of Great American Ballpark. I think that's what they're still calling it here in Cincinnati, taking it on the road this evening. Excited to talk all things preseason baseball. We are back. It is so great to be back with everybody. It it, it has been quite a ride to get here. And uh, yeah, like I said, I just had to get I had to get Nate out there, but I uh, just want to remind everybody that the Baseball Buffet is brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company, and PHI Apparel provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philly. With their original designs for everyone, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. Listeners can use the promo code CHEFS, that's C-H-E-F-S, for 15% off any apparel. Make sure you go to phiapparel.co. That's P-H-I Apparel. Dot co and uh, man, I, I had a chance to uh, look at some of that PHI Apparel Co. Uh, stuff. They've got some cool. Uh, <laughs> I still think my one of my favorite shirts on there is the Reese's Pieces. Um, but man, I mean, you know, Nate, it's baseball season. Uh, we've got the PHI Apparel Company on board. We've got my boy Nate on board. Um, but it's been quite an off season, a historic off season, not for good reasons. Uh, I say that as both a Yankee fan and a baseball fan. Um, <laughs> but I do think we have to take a quick moment to give our final thoughts on last season. You know, Nate, uh, as soon as the season ended, we want a little bit to digest it, and uh, we got a lot of time. 
but we also saw the writing on the wall of the uh, lockout that, you know, happened. Um, so I haven't had a chance to reconnect. Nate, did you, you know, did you feel like we had a satisfying end to last season sort of wackiness? Um, and, uh, you know, what did you think of the way kind of the season finished out? I mean, did the did the right team win? I mean, with Atlanta. Uh, in the World wow. Series, like in that particular matchup, yes. But I think the Giants were the team that should have won it. And maybe I'm a little biased with you know the Giants fandom that is my. <laughs> my dad being a big Giants fan, maybe I'm a little biased towards thinking the Giants should have won it all, but I hate that the Giants and the Dodgers matched up as soon in the playoffs as they did. But right. when you get down to it, yeah, between the Astros and Atlanta, I think the right team won. And it's a great send off for Freddie Freeman. Do yeah. a little foreshadowing to where we're going to go here. Like if that's is. If that's his curtain call to Atlanta, well, you know what? Hats off to him. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, it was kind of sad. Uh, I mean, you always feel sad when a team wins a championship and, you know, a team um, sees their best player walk away. I mean, just to, 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 reiter- to recap for anybody who doesn't remember or, uh, um, you know, doesn't have uh, quite the same memory that they used to because it's been quite the off season. You know, the Red Sox and the Yankees played in the AL wildcard game. And uh, let's just say the winner of that game beat uh, Tampa, made it to the ALCS, who lost to Houston. I mean, really, outside of the White Sox, it was just everybody the Yankees just didn't like uh, in the po- all in one nice postseason. But on the other side of the, the bracket, the NL side, you had uh, – St. Louis and Los Angeles, the Dodgers, of course, playing in that wild card where the Dodgers beat St. Louis, then took on the Giants, like Nate mentioned, while the A's took out uh, the Brewers, who, boy, they, they're, I'm really curious to talk about what you think of their upcoming season. And then the Braves took on Houston in the World Series. And, you know, I I, I don't know if I would say they they manhandled them, uh, but it just felt like the you know the World Series, even though it went six games, it felt like the Braves were sort of in control, winning especially Game Six, seven to nothing, crowning them champions. Speaking of champions, I got to take a moment because we have uh, Mike on the line too, and I got to give a shout out to uh, to Mike. Mike, how you doing? Happy season. Hey man, I'm so glad that baseball is back. You know, it was touch and go for a while, right? And uh, so considering that 26 years passed uh, between World Series, last time it was going, coming after a strike in a short season in 95, I waited a long time for them to get back there. It's kind of fitting, though, that after all the seasons that the Braves kind of were front runners, and all those 90s years, and they only pulled it out once, and all the different years they won the division, they kind of came back from the dead, right? They lost the Putin, they got... They made a bunch of uh, late-season trades, which I think has to uh, make the fan base really feel good and trust that management even more. I love Alex Anthopoulos. But for that team to 
to pull through, man, and, and just catch fire down the stretch and, and win the World Series, even overcoming, you know, a Charlie Morton injury and some other things in the World Series, but to find a way to put it together. Listen, I'm good for a while. I hope they can be really good again this year, and I think they've got a solid roster. We'll talk about that later uh, as we're going to talk about a lot of teams. But, man, listen, flags fly forever, right? And for the, for the second time in my life, the Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. Listen, they are. Uh, the world couldn't be any sweeter in the world of baseball. You know, uh, as we get into some other stuff, you know, the the one biggest part of it that's a bummer, I'm sure we'll talk about today, too. But I'm doing well, man. I'm sorry to give you such a long, uh, soliloquy-type answer, no. but I'm, I'm so glad you guys are having me, and I'm glad to host with you guys today. Thanks again for uh, letting me be part of the show with you guys. Absolutely, and uh, and, and don't apologize, uh, Mike. It sounds like you got a lot to say, but we all do. So uh, I actually... Uh, set this up, gave ourselves a little bit of opportunity for extra innings in case we needed it. Um, but listen, you said uh, one thing, and uh, you, you, you know, I, I love how you, you, you kind of put that Atlanta Braves championship into a long-term perspective, because you're right, I mean, growing up, it felt like Bobby Cox winning that division was uh, just a foregone conclusion. You know, Glad- uh, uh, Matt, you know Maddox, Glavin, those guys, uh, for just, just, you know, like machines, but machines that always seem to sputter out with, with most of the season to go. So that's, you feel good for that fan base. I certainly feel good for them. Um, listen, I, 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 I want to – I'm going to stay chronological here, and I really want to get the negative out of the way. I just want to get it out of the way. You know, we – we had the lockout. The lockout was 99 days. By comparison, Tom Brady's retirement was 40 days. Um, and it was ugly. It was ugly, but it always felt like it was going to get done to me. I, I didn't have a moment, personally, where I thought they weren't going to get it done. If for no other reason the optics would be bad, they could both just say, listen, let's just up it for the players a little bit more, like a small percentage, and find a way to pump this another year or two years, which it almost felt like they were about to. Um, did, you know, uh, Nate, did you, Nate, did you think there was any chance they weren't going to get it done? Uh, and before, you know, we even jumped on the phone, you said, you thought it was funny that it was 99, exactly 99 days. So do you think a lot of it was just, you know, public back and forth? I I got to be fully honest. I I thought we were not going to have April baseball. I really did. I thought that it was going to come down to the owners basically forcing the players to go on strike because uh Mike you kind of hit on this before that you know 26 years ago we had the players strike and the players walk out. This was a little bit different. Yeah, we did, the CBA expired, and the owners took it on themselves to lock the players out. So it, it's a little bit of a different perspective to it, a little bit of a different aspect, which is a whole rigmarole and legal thing that we can go into. But since I'm oh. sure I'm the only one that finds that interesting, we will not do that. But I thought that we were going to basically get to the point where the commissioner was going to – cancel April baseball, we were going to get into May, and then magically we were going to have an agreement because that way the owners could save the money that they wanted to save and still have their season. I am beyond thrilled that not only do we have the agreement, we're going to be playing 162 games. I am also beyond annoyed 
that we had to truncate the spring training season because I think we're doing nothing but a disservice to the players in that regard because everybody's got to get ramped up a lot faster. I think we're going to see a lot more injuries just like we did in the pandemic-shortened season of 2020. I hope we don't. I hope that these guys are professionals, and I hope that they were uh, getting themselves in shape. I hope they were working with whoever they needed to work with to be ready to go. But, I mean, at the end of the day, any baseball is better than no baseball, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, you get like – like I said, you got there. It was frustrating, but uh, I'm surprised you didn't think we would have April baseball. But hey, we did it. Like you said, you, you know, I did fail to mention that we are getting a full 162. Uh, Mike, was there any trepidation in your mind that we would have a season at all? I mean, you know, uh, Nate Nate was worried we wouldn't have April. I, I was confident we would get the whole thing done. I know some thought there might even be no season, but where did you fall on that? And did your confidence waver at any point? I ain't a lot to you. My confidence did really waver. And and I said on a couple of our shows, on the on the cookout that we do on Wednesday nights, cheap plugs, and on other stuff that we did, <laughs> that I was really, really in some ways concerned, man, because I, I think – and I do want to stop really quickly and say shame on both sides for a second, that um, that it did take as long as it did. And, and here's why I say shame on both sides, because – First of all, nobody met until we, the calendar year changed, right? Like, you didn't hear meetings. And then when – sounds like somebody's at a bar. <laughs> and then uh, when they did meet, and, and then when they did meet, the, the crazy thing was when they finally met, we heard, like, okay, they met for, like, 20 minutes or 10 minutes, and then everybody walked out. Right. Right? And I'm like, what are we, petulant children here? Like, and so – I think in some ways that, that really did uh, bother me and concern me that it took this long. And, and I say shame on these guys only because <clears throat> position players don't necessarily need as long, but pitchers do, right? And so I, I, I hope these guys are staying ready, and I hope we don't see this reflected in arm injuries and things like that this season. Because we've heard people say – how many times have you heard it said before – from many analysts and different people, position players sometimes can get ready sooner, but pitchers need that time to really stretch out, and you need that time to kind of see those arms and give people chances to sort of compete for those spots. Pitching is the biggest reason why spring training is as long as it is, right? Um, now, consequently, when you get to the beginning of the regular season, the pitchers tend to be a little bit ahead of the hitters, right? Because they've had that longer spring training, and those hitters are still kind of trying to get that time and down on a regular basis every day. Uh, but yeah, I, I I thought that baseball had enough common sense to realize, like, if there's a long enough drought, there are a lot more things to do in this world than there was 25 years ago. There's a lot more squirrels to distract people or bunnies. Hey, look, a bunny. You know what I mean? To get people's attention than there used to be. So I, I say that to say I, I think at the end of the day they realized that they had to do something, and there was a part of me that was really hoping that somehow they're going to get it worked out, but I'm not going to lie to you, man. I was really concerned. It's, and the more I heard about how short some of these meetings were and how quickly people walked out and how far apart they supposedly were, uh, yeah, there were times that it, it did raise some alarms with me. And I, and I said, baseball better be careful because if they don't get this right, uh, baseball could continue to slide in popularity in this country. 
so the fact well, that they have and we're getting it full 162, I think is definitely a, is definitely a great thing. Mike, Mike, I think you're 100% right on that. Uh, I, 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 I was just going to say, I, I just Mike, had, go ahead, Dave. No, no, I just had one, one quick clarification question for Mike. A yes or no question, and then Nate, I'll pass to you. Nate, uh, just yes or no, did they get it right? Uh, oh, let's dive into that later then. Yeah, because you, 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 you won't let me give you one sentence. I just have to give you yes or no. <laughs> I just wanted to get um, a yes or no from you. Uh. The answer is the, the short answer is yes because we're getting a full season. The long answer is no. There still needs to be some tweaks. All right, I want to talk about those tweaks later. But Nate, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off four times in a row, so I'll give you that fifth magic one. Go, take it away, buddy. Well, I, I was just going to say, Mike, you're absolutely right, and like, I I got to tell you, as a I, an up and coming soccer fan, I think this was really the window that Major League Soccer in the United States if baseball wasn't careful, they were going to slip below major league soccer because major league soccer came in right about the time that baseball decided they were going to come back. So I don't know if not to be a conspiratorial conspiracy theorist in that regard, but I can't believe that they came back just at the beginning of the MLS season, just to prevent that from happening. But you can't tell me it wasn't in the back of Manfred's mind of looking at it like, man, we've been slipping down the ratings for a long time, and all of a sudden soccer is this, like, big thing coming up. We've got World Cup qualifiers coming up this very week. You, i got to believe that had to be in the back of his mind, maybe even a little bit, although maybe he is so full of himself and the owners are so full of themselves that they don't believe that they would lose out to soccer. But I love that you brought up that there are so many more distractions you have the NBA is getting towards the end of their season. The NHL is getting towards the end of their season now. Soccer is rising in popularity. I think that they – I can't understand why Major League Baseball, at this, at this point in their arc, at this point in the cycle of where everything is in popularity, why they would screw around and go into a lockout for as long as they did at this point. I just I, – I can't understand it. Yeah, but you, you know – I I will I have to admit, Nate, I'm not a big soccer guy. I know you're definitely more of a soccer guy, but I was. Um, you know, I do think the that that baseball is a little bit more scared than they used to be. Of you know, because they don't have that that power. I mean, it feels like, and I think the two of you would agree with me. It's like the NFL has the ability to to call their own shots. If they want to do anything, they'll get whatever they want because they're just ratings machines, whereas it seems – and even – I mean, baseball, just because of the sheer volume of games and, in the end, the ability to sell ad space during those, they're just always going to be, you know, extremely profitable until the people just decide they've had enough. Um, but, you know, attention spans are shorter. I mean, you look at – I mean, TikTok wouldn't be a thing if that wasn't the case, and books would still be a thing. Um, that's, that's just, you know, the reality of it. Uh, I, I think, you know, and, and Nate, I I have a question for you. I know, you know, as an Oriole fan, um, a a team that just, you know, unfortunately hasn't been very good for very long and I'm not feeling too great about their chances this year. I mean, does, is is it harder? Was it was is it harder to get back into it this year because there was uh, less of a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, or does your just love for the game just make you go, 
look, they got it. They got it done. And then I want to ask you the same question. Yes or no. Did they get it right? I'll, I'll be rude to Eric. Uh, I'm speaking for Eric. I'll be rude <laughs> to uh, Michael. Um, and let you elaborate on your yes or no. And then, then I want to hear Mike tell us what he thought of the CBA deal. But first, Nate, do you think, you know, did, did they, did they get it right? And, you know, did, did it make your love of the game wane at all? My love of the game has not waned. Uh, even being an Orioles fan, I just wanted them to come back. That way I could see these guys get into spring training camp. I want to see Adelie Rutschman, although I don't even get to see Adelie Rutschman because he's got a freaking triceps injury, so he's shut down for all his spring training, and it's not going to happen now. <laughs> but, I, you know, I get to see now Grayson Rodriguez. I get to see D.L. Hall. I get to see all of these guys that I'm promised are – the future of the Orioles, even though like them in and of themselves aren't going to do it. But I have the faith that when these guys get up to the majors, we're going to see where the rebuild is and then we'll start spending. Yes. I'm that naive of an Oriole fan that I believe that that will Aww. still happen because they've done it. In... Hey, you know what? If you're going to, if you're going to buy guys like Jim Tomey and Garrett Atkins and Sammy Sosa <laughs> to come into this franchise when they're terrible, you, you're going to tell me you're not going to spend to supplement actual good players. I think they're going to spend money eventually, but no, my love of the game has not waned. It did not impact my following of baseball at all during the lockout, other than to just ingrain my utter disdain for ownership. And yeah, I agree with Mike that there, there was a, a bit of like, okay, players, like, what are we doing here? I get it that the, you, you're frustrated at the negotiating tactics of the owners, but at some point, like, you keep saying all you want to do is play while well, we can move playing. The, the players, you know, they came into this whole CBA, they wanted to get a lot more back because the last several negotiations over the past 26 years, the players gave up a lot to the owners. And so this was kind of like they dug in and like this is where we're getting everything back. And they didn't need to do that. I don't think they got everything back. Did they get it right? I'll say they got more right than wrong, but there's some stuff that they're doing to the game that I kind of look at it and I'm like, why are we doing this? And why was this even a thing that we're considering? (laughs) The the big thing for me is, you know, we're increasing base size. And I'm like, that, why? I knew you were going to jump. Why? It was such a headline thing. I'm like, what are we doing? It's base size. You can't, it's not a major issue. But if we want to, you know, if we want to tear into this, we can tear into this. I think a lot of the other points that they hit on are good things that needed to be resolved. And, you know, the universal DH, the elimination of the shift, you know, we can go back and forth on whether that's a good thing, whether that's a bad thing, whether they got it right, whether they got it wrong. And I'm sure that we're going to do that over the course of the rest of this episode. I think they got Did more they eliminate right the shift? Wrong. They did eliminate the shift effective, I think, next year. Right. Okay, that's it's what not, I, right? it, we still we are still shift enabled for this season, and no pitch clock is another right. one. Right. Okay. My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'll give my answer after, but I, I just wanted to make sure. No, 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 no. You're like my, I. I was. I was done. I, I'm. That's where I'm at. I think they got more right than they got wrong, but I also think that they screwed around with some of these 
non-issue issues that they agreed on. And I'm like, I don't understand why this had to be part of the CBA and why this was even a negotiating point. All right. So my takeaway okay. is that Nate thinks that increased base sizes has ruined baseball. Okay, Mike. Okay, so here's so like I said, in the short term, in the short term, they did get it right because we're getting a full 162 and they salvaged it in time. And to me, I think that's I think that was the most important thing right now to happen. We did not need uh, an extremely shortened baseball season or a time where people. I mean, now people only have to wait about a week, week and a half days, you know, like eight or nine days before, you know, from when the opening day is supposed to start to have baseball, right? So that, that's a big plus. Um, so they got it right in that sense. Listen, I've always been a National League guy. I've been a Braves fan since they were terrible. Uh, you know, I went to see Dale Murphy and Gerald Perry and all those guys in Fulton County Stadium uh, back in 1988 as a about to be a 11 year old kid and was, you know just over the moon to see a last place team right so um, so I've, I've been a National League guy my whole life and I've always said I like the pitcher hitting I, I, I like the double switches and that kind of thing like the managerial moves and have to go along with it a couple of years ago when they did the universal DH during the pandemic shortened season I didn't mind it at all though and so like it's not as much of a sticking point to me as I thought it would be mm. I think in some ways, I think the base size increase, even though um, it's not, not something worth arguing about, I think they're hoping that it's going to lead to more stolen bases uh, because maybe it'll be easier to get. you got a little bit more of a target to grab when you're trying to snag that base. Um, and I do think that we need to get away from this all-or-nothing home run or strikeout game. We need to keep the game moving. And so, you know, if we can get some teams that are deciding to go the other way or to try to string together try to string together some hits or make some havoc on the base pass and whatever else, that kind of stuff is fun. Listen, the Cardinals in the late 80s, early 90s, like, or in the early to in most of the 80s, man, that, that team was fun to watch with all the speed they had on the bases and that kind of thing. So I think they're trying to push some of that. Um, what I think they – what I think they got wrong is I, I think we need a floor. I'm, I'm pointing at you right now, Oakland, and I'm pointing at, at the Marlins, where at least they signed till there. But I think we need a floor. I think there needs to be, if we're going to do luxury taxes and penalize teams for going over, then I think at some point then there needs to be some penalties for teams that don't spend enough and sell off everything, right? So I, I agree with that, and I, I – I kind of – I know that they're going to go back and revisit this. I think I kind of like the idea of some sort of international draft of some kind. Um, yeah. I, like I said, I think, there, I think there are some things that do need to be tweaked. But in the end, at least we have baseball. We have uh, an agreement that's in place for, you know, more than just a year or two. So, uh, you know, the fact that we're going to have the game and people are going to be playing – uh, but what I will say is this, like I, I said earlier, shame on you guys on both sides for taking so long to get together. Uh, I, I don't know how to make this happen, but at some point we've got to get over being so cutthroat and so like uh, it, it, 
uh, has to escalate to this point before we can actually sit down and bargain. And at some point, players and owners alike, players, unions, anybody representing the game, uh, do need to continue to take a step back and think, yeah, we want what's best for our side, but what's best for this game so we can continue to keep this game that we love. And so uh, I'm, I'm just saying to, to both sides, and this is my plea from uh, from an insignificant person as far as uh, the baseball world is concerned, this is my plea that says, guys, get this figured out, and as you start coming close next time, sit down and bargain and talk. Don't let it come to this point where people think there may not be a season and just give people, like, especially over the last couple of years, America has very little sympathy. Even though we can look into uh-huh. it and see some logic behind it, America in general, especially after everything we've gone through over the last couple of years, have very little sympathy over millionaires and billionaires squabbling over money. Um, so, um, and, and I want to answer in, in just a couple sentences your one other question. Has my love of the game um, been dampened at all? No, not at all. I love the game of baseball. As a matter of fact, uh, growing up in the South, as you guys know, uh, college baseball is pretty big. LSU has had a pretty good program over the years. I couldn't wait to open a night for college baseball, man. I I went to a, to a state wrestling tournament in Iowa to follow college wrestling, and I just I took uh, I made sure my phone was charged so I could listen to opening day of LSU baseball in my ear, just so I could still wow. enjoy the game that I love. So no, uh, my my love of the game has not dampened. It's still one of the hardest things to do in sports to hit a round ball with a round bat. It still takes a a lot of athletic ability. It's it's still a game that when done right or when done well can still uh, make your eyes open real wide or drop your, drop your jaw, so to speak. And uh, it's still a fascinating game to me. Damn, Mike, for a second I thought you were going to say drop your drawers. Um, <clears throat> an entirely different level. I was like, damn, I love baseball. Um, so, listen, I, I just want to share uh, some of my thoughts uh, on it. Um Mike, I'm going to mute you. It sounds a little loud for a second. Ah, it seems like you beat me to the punch. Um, listen, the the CBA, I, I, I feel as if a lot of the rhetoric on it was what a lot of you two said. Both Each of you were, were exactly right. I think you, echo, you, you, you echoed the sentiment for everybody when you say, guys, just get it done. It's millionaires and billionaires. Um, there's not going to do anything world-changing in getting it done. Short-term, you did the right thing getting the 162. Long-term, there still leaves to be a little bit to be desired. I agree with most of that, but I don't completely agree with some of those long-term takeaways. I actually think long-term, it's not as bad um, as we think. And a couple of things specifically I want to touch on that I like. Um, I, I, I both like and don't like the playoff expansion to 12 teams. I like that it expanded. What I don't like is that they got rid of the standalone playoff game. I originally, I have to admit, been hypocritical here. I originally hated the idea of a one-game playoff, but after seeing it instituted a few times, uh, just the, the absolute intrigue, of a you could take a, a game in the sixth inning and if it's six to one you know if it's a series you could see a team in that instance saying okay we'll save the arms or whatever but if it's a sixth inning and it's a winner take all you know what you're doing you're pulling Schilling or Randy Johnson out of the bullpen and having them just be like listen dude this is it just give us literally everything you got 
you know, pull, pull, you know, Madison Bumgarner out of the stands. Or, you know, it, there's, you see some crazy stuff that you don't usually see unless it's a game seven of a, of a DS or CS. So um, I got to say, I'm a big fan of the expansion. Really sad to see us lose that uh, single game playoff. Other things that I did like, though, um, I don't mean to stick a knife in you, um, Mike, now I noticed that it, didn't, it doesn't hurt very much seeing the uh, Universal DH. I love the Universal DH. And I'm going to give you two reasons. And Nate, I'm sure you'll remember I dropped this guy's name a lot. But Mark Pryor, um, to me, ever since I saw Mark Pryor really get hurt, and, and it wasn't just base path running. I mean, Chin Meng Wong also broke his foot. And there were a lot, of, there's, there's countless examples of guys hurting their feet or, or, or incorrectly using their calves running the bases. Um, listen, my thought is, you know, it's been how many years since Bartolo Colon hit that home run, and people still talk about it like it was the greatest moment in baseball history. And, and to, to an extent, absolutely, that's something that should be on the all-time highlight reels. But that's the point is, you know, you, 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 every three years you have a moment like that. Is it worth it just to have a dead out in the lineup? Um, I, I don't care that it increases strategy. It just makes the game less fun. It just takes a, a one spot in there when you know you can get up and go to the bathroom or something. I guess maybe that's its big purpose. It's like a, a slow song at a, at a concert that's supposed to be high octane. Come on. Why are we doing it? Um, especially with baseball pitchers now being way more specialized. I mean, you look at kids in, in, in high school or even earlier now, uh, you see the way their legs are trained, their bodies are trained. I mean, it it, it it makes no sense to have a pitcher have to learn how to, to swing the bat when a lot of these guys now are just, all right, come out of the bullpen and throw 100 in the seventh inning. A um, couple other things real quick that I did um, not like was I agree uh, with the f- salary floor. I mean, you have to do, you have to do something like that. I mean, it's like a sandwich with, with what we have is an open face sandwich in a sense, but upside down in that there's kind of a soft cap, uh, but don't tell the Dodgers, but there's, there's a, there's like a soft cap. It feels like, um, but no floor and teams are just, just sitting there doing nothing with it. I do like the idea of the draft lottery, but it's just, I don't think it's enough. Um, so the, the expanded postseason, Yeah. Big the W Universal DH, that's a W, not hurting anything for anti-tanking, uh, no anti-tanking measures. Eh, not a big fan that they didn't do anything. Uh, but I, I do have to say, Nate, one, my absolute number one favorite thing is making the bases bigger by two inches. I really think that will change the course of baseball history. People will look back 300 years from now and say, when did it all become great? And it's when they changed the size of the bases. No, I agree. That was the dumbest thing in the world. I don't understand why that had to be, you know, part of the conversation. Uh, realistically, my number one overall favorite thing was the elimination of the shift. I hated the shift. Uh, after seeing Mark Teixeira ground out in between first and second for an entire career, I'm glad it will be coming to an end. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they solve it. Maybe you bring up the right fielder. There's a lot of other things you can do. Um, But I think this will keep players on the base paths. Um, I think baseball right now really needs to increase their offense. Um, Now, I have a question for you guys about offense and which teams have improved offensively. But first, 
Just want to remind everybody that the Baseball Buffet is brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company, and the PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philly and really anywhere. Just because the clothing Philly-based doesn't mean you got to be from Philly, they ship. It's 2022. You can order stuff online. And with all of their original ideas, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd, especially if you're not in Philly. But if you're in Philly, order it anyway. And when you do order, make sure you use the promo code CHEFS, that's C-H-E-F-S, for 15% off any apparel when you go to phiapparel.co. Not .com, phiapparel.co. Gentlemen, I think that was a really good recap uh, we just did of the offseason. Um, I want to start talking about what we're all here to enjoy, and that is on the field. And I, la- I finished by saying uh, I really think we're going to see some increased offenses uh, this post this offseason, or excuse me, after this offseason. Nate, I want to start with you here. Who do you think improved the most this offseason and uh, just a very simple, which team do you just look at and say that stock is up? And then, Mike, I want to, I want you, uh, Nate, I want you to pass it to Mike. And then we're going to go around the horn and touch every division. But just give me one team that jumps out at you. I mean, the obvious, most blatant answer is the Twins, right? Signing Carlos Correa. But I really, really, really like what the Braves did, even though yeah. they let. Freddie Freeman go, I think getting Matt Olson from the A's is saving them a lot of money that they can use in other places which they have, and they, they're they not losing that much offensively. So in terms of overall improvement, I'm giving the A's the biggest bump in overall improvement. I think the Twins have the most obvious win in offensive improvement signing Carlos Correa. And the most baffling signing to me would be the Nationals signing Nelson Cruz after they did all of their off-season crap. Or, no, not off-season, mid-season. Their mid-season fire sale crap. Although the Cubs decided they were going to do the same thing where they were going to sell off everybody, and then they went out and spent the second largest amount of money in the off-season this year, too. But to answer your original question, Twins' obvious answer, Braves get my, uh, my Dark Horse Improvement Award. Mike, who do you think is the biggest uh, offensive improvement? Listen, I, I will say real quick with what the Braves did. Um, they got a guy who's been very productive at first base and a guy that's younger. I'm going to very dearly miss Freddie Freeman, though. But, you know, with that, they were able to go back and get Rosario back and get Jansen. So good for them. Listen, I think as cliche as this sounds, and as much as I, I hate to give it an extremely obvious answer, to me that that Dodgers lineup looks way even better this year. That's a scary, hmm. scary lineup. I understand, you, you know, you get Freddie Freeman and you say, well, you know, Corey Seager was an offensive weapon. He was, but uh, Corey Seager has also missed big blocks at time over the years based on injuries and stuff. But when you got Turner in that uh, leading that lineup, you know, with, with with the guns that he's going to have behind him, you could have Cody Bellinger hitting seventh um, in that lineup. I think that's a, I, I think that lineup right there, it, it may be uh, one of the best collective offensive units that we've seen since the big red machine. Um, and, and I know that's, that's picking very, very low hanging fruit, 
but that lineup that the Dodgers are having is great. And then another team that, that really sticks out to me uh, for what they've done just offensively, um, I like what the Rangers did. Uh, you know, they spent a lot of money on their middle infield. you got the, the Garcia kids still out there. I think the Rangers did some things to really improve themselves offensively too. I don't know if they can pitch enough, um, but listen, I think the Rangers are going to score a lot of runs this year, especially as things heat up in the summer. Yeah, I, uh, Dave, I, man, I, I, Dave, I, I forgot. I, I forgot that. to mention somebody. Oh, go ahead. I forgot to mention the Orioles went up and they signed Rugnet Odor for the middle of their infield. So there's a big offensive upgrade for the Orioles. I had to get it in there. MVP. MVP. Man's got a hell of a right hook. I will give him that. Jesus. The uh, combined contracts of Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon for the Rangers, I mean, that's what? I think that that came out to exactly 500 mil. You guys will have to correct me if I'm wrong um, for those two deals. And, I mean, the Rangers basically said these these guys are going to be the future. I mean, I really – I'm a big – Corey Seager fan. I think he was uh, very helpful for the Dodgers. I mean, helpful being being obvious. I mean, the Dodgers really did see some departures. Um, we'll see also how they deal with the loss of Max Scherzer. I mean, I think Max Scherzer to the Mets was a great. It, it happened. It feels like so long ago that that it's easy to forget. I mean, the dude is 37, but he doesn't need to be um, Mr. Everything out there if they can keep Jacob Degrom healthy, but. Um, I'm just going to pick a, a, a different kind of a different team. Um, I really kind of like the little things that the Giants did in adding two arms in Radon and uh, Scaflani. Um, they're not they're again they're not moves that are going to going to change the way I think people think of them. And, and in a sense, um, I think that helps. It takes the pressure off of it. Also, uh, Kevin Gossman going to the Blue Jays. I, the Blue Jays are one of those teams where everybody just, I think at this point, feels like they're the favorite in the AL East. Um, but I do want to take a moment to mention one signing that I don't think will get mentioned uh, for a very long time as long as we do the baseball buffet. Um, Chris Bryant going to the Rockies was a shocker to me. First off, Definitely. I didn't know they had a team out there anymore. I say that very delicately because I have a lot of family who likes the Rockies, and I just want to make sure that nobody's at the door coming to get me. Um, but it, it, it makes me wonder. I mean, he's 30. They gave him a seven-year deal, so he'll be there for, for you know, through through the, you know, till he's 37, I guess, easy math. Um it makes me wonder, is he there to sell seats? Is he there to be the veteran that they finally maybe start to build around? I mean, I still don't really know what to expect out of Rockies leadership. Um, I thought putting leadership is there quotes over here. to sell seats. Uh, he is only there to sell seats. <laughs> do, you think the, do you think the Rockies, though, are smart and uh, it's a dangerous phrase, but do you think they also know at some point they could flip him and get a package of prospects from somebody? It's almost like, you know, in, in, what I would do this in Madden all the time. I would just sign a top free agent and trade him to somebody for draft picks and just keep moving up until I had the first, you know, three picks in the, you know, in the draft. But, uh, I mean, uh, I think you know, Mike, what do you it. think of that signing? 
Well, I think I think that's part of it. I... So first of all, they traded Arenado to try to get some pieces back. You aren't going to re-sign Trevor's story, and it's almost like one of them did. I don't know if one didn't want to be there without the other, or didn't feel like there was enough. But then, after you offload those guys, you you, you know you look at that Chris Bryant signing. You're like, what are you doing? Uh, but you know the 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 one thing that I can say about Bryant is he can play in multiple. Di- I mean, he may not be great at any position, but he's very serviceable at a lot of different positions. So that does allow you some flexibility. Um, and that he can play both corner outfields. He can play some center field. He's played some third and first. So he can play at a lot of different positions, and you can kind of move him around if you need to based on what other prospects and things you have. But listen, if this team is um, is not in very good shape and, and somebody really needs a, a big bat, I don't think it would happen this year, but I could see two or three years down if they're still, you know, in – well, I would no. say in the basement, but the Diamondbacks are going to be awful. Uh, but if they're still really uh, lingering towards the bottom of that division, I could see them uh, trading him. And then I, I want to throw one more thing out there. I, I think uh, you mentioned Kevin Gossman to the Blue Jays. Uh, they also got, and I guess maybe it was last year before the deadline, but Jose Barrios too, you know, in that rotation. And then bringing over Matt Chapman. I mean, the Blue Jays are doing everything they can to go for it right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Yankee fan, and first let me say uh, that Chris Bryant move. See, let's see. I can absolutely picture the Yankees bringing in an overpaid 34-year-old uh, um, Chris Bryant in, in, you know, in, in three, four years to be the last piece when Stanton is tanking, is, is kind of like the expiring contract, but we get to bring in another old overpaid, overpaid guy because that's kind of what we do now. Um Listen, I love what the Blue Jays are doing. I, I'm standing pat on what I thought about them last year in that, you know, the Bichette, uh, comp, the Bichette Guerrero, um, Biggio. I mean, it's a really awesome core. They're starting to really get some arms out there. Again, I, I still I feel like I feel like George Springer on that roster is almost an afterthought at this point. The guy is so talented, and it feels like they haven't really even gotten a chance to, to use him to his maximum potential yet. Um, so we, I, I truly believe as much good as we've seen out of the Blue Jays, we haven't seen their potential uh, reach. So this brings me to the part of the show where I really want to hit the ground running. Um, let's go division by division. And, and you know, uh, Nate and I are AL East guys, but I got to give this one to Mike. I mean, Mike, you've been uh, – you know, relishing in, in the, the, the Braves World Series. So do you want to start with the NL East? Because I think, in my opinion, that's the most intriguing division. So how do you see that playing out, uh, Mike? So, listen, I, I think the Braves have a chance to be – they caught lightning in a bottle last year. I mean, obviously late in the season. If you can get Acuna back and healthy. But listen, kind of like George Springer has been multiple years, Acuna has – has had a lot of injuries in his in his short career. Um, but this Braves team did some things to continue to get better, which they had to. I mean, you look at everything the Mets did. The Mets did a lot, right? They brought in Scherzer. They brought in uh, Marte to play center field. They brought in Escobar to show up the infield defense and to give them some pop in the lineup. Like, I, I think the Mets did a lot. If, uh, if Scherzer and DeGrom both can stay healthy, DeGrom's another guy. Like, he's his talent is – it's crazy, but can he stay on the field? Um, 
if if those guys stay healthy at the top of that rotation, that's going to be a tough team to beat. I'm going to I'm going to say uh, that the Braves having off uh, the strength of winning that division a couple of years in a row now um, have to be the favorites. I feel like that there are three teams that could win that division now. Uh, Mets. I, I feel like the Phillies still have a lot of pieces, and 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 they they did a couple of things to to bring in some veteran guys to go with that, you know, with what they have. So um, I think they can be uh, very competitive as well. But uh, I I think it's a Braves Mets uh, Phillies uh, to show, as they say in horse racing. Um, but I think all three of I think all three of those teams. Uh, have a chance to make it into October. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Phillies obviously need Aaron Nola to bounce back and and pitch like himself. Um, but I, I think that they've done some things to to make themselves better. But I I really think it's it's Braves and Phillies at the top of that division. I mean, sorry, Braves and Mets at the top of that division. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the Phillies sort of snuck in there as a uh, uh, a team that I don't want to say can surprise because it shouldn't be surprising if they play well. But uh, listen, that's kind of some of them, you know. That's I think those, those are all things I completely agree with. Nate, what do you think of the uh, the NL East this coming uh, up this coming season? Well, Mike kind of touched on it at the top of the show when he came in with his introduction, mentioning the Bobby Cox era Braves. I think that we're setting up for another Bobby Cox-ish era of the Braves. I expect them to just kind of run the NL East this year. I expect them to run the NL East for the next several years. Uh, I think the Phillies surprise us and finish a strong second. I know they finished second in 2021, but I think they might push for the wild card. I like the Kyle Schwarber signing in Philadelphia. I've always thought that he needed to be somewhere where he can be the DH, and he played really well with the Cubs in the National League for a long time, even when they didn't have the DH. So I think him now getting to play his natural position in the National League in a short porch like Philadelphia will work out. Uh, the Mets, for all the money they spent this year, just like for all the money they spent last year, I think we will see them probably lead the division for the first month or two, and then they'll just kind of do what the Mets do, which is just kind of fall apart, especially if Buck Showalter is still letting monkeys throw batting practice down at spring training yeah. like he decided to share <laughs> a couple of days ago from when he was with the Orioles. And I do want to put this, like, I, I love Buck Showalter. He's rescued so many franchises. He rescued the Yankees when they were terrible. He started the Diamondbacks. He rescued the Orioles. He's just, like, everywhere he goes, he rescues the franchise. The Mets didn't need rescuing. Oh, he rescued the Rangers. Let, I don't want to leave them out. But the Mets did not need rescuing the hiring of Buck Showalter as manager. As much as I love him as a manager and love him as a baseball guy, it does not make sense to me. It, it feels like it's just a desperation in part oh. by both of them. It, feel, it feels a little desperate by Buck Showalter just jumping on with an NL team that he thinks can win the world series. But I don't know why he thinks the Mets are the team to win the world series when Last year, 
they came out so strong and then they finished a very distant third in their own division and weren't even competitive. Well, they the stretch. I just, wait, 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 wait. They, they, they were missing their best player and if not like the best pitcher in the entire sport, just in their defense. And that's fair. In their defense, that is fair. But they also, like, they were in command of that division. And then, yes, they lost their best player. They lost the, arguably the best pitcher in the game in DeGrom. But, I mean, don't you just always expect this out of the Mets, though? Like, it's, it's just something that they do. They find a way to give it away at the end of the year when it's in crunch time. Do we really think that Buck Showalter, the guy that's going to make you a playoff team but never actually get the title – do we really think that the Mets are where he's going to get his title? I, I don't see it. I think it's going to be the Braves in a walkover. I think the Phillies make the wild card. And then I think I, – I honestly could see the Marlins sneaking up on the Mets and giving mm. them a run. The, Mar, the, Marlins, the Marlins are young. The, Mar, the Marlins are young. The Marlins are talented. The Marlins have made dramatic improvement. I think they could sneak in there and challenge for third – the Nationals are just desperate in, in sell-off mode, and I don't think they know what they're doing. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say uh, Mets. I don't think they'll win the division. I, you know, the Bra- It's the Braves' division to lose. Um, one, one side note, I don't know if anybody is – I don't know what the story with Ozuna is. I mean, he's a great player, but he's an awful dude. So I don't. Is he, do you guys know? Is he on the roster? Is he even eligible to play? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm just going to assume he's not an option. Either way, I still think the Braves. No, will, he's playing. We'll take it away. He's lining up every day playing for the Braves, and I think I don't know if there's going to be any more punishments because he set out a lot of last year. I know that uh, there were no, like everything was suspended. Um, to do some anger management type stuff. But he is playing for that team in spring training. And there is talk right now that he could very possibly be the the DH for that team uh, for a good chunk of this year. So I don't know if there's more sanctions coming down from Major League Baseball. Um, And I'm not sure really how I feel about this with with him being – on that team, but I think right now uh, Marcelo Suna is uh, barring anything coming down. Like he's he's in the lineup in spring training, and I think he's going to break camp with that team. Wow, I I mean, as it, it, it's from a strictly baseball standpoint, and I mean strictly baseball, that is uh, huge for the Braves. I'm trying to obviously talk a little delicately here. Um, as you know, anybody who wants to go look up his his TV issues is more than welcome to. But he hasn't played since May 29th of last year, and uh, yeah, in looking at it, it looks like he is slated to um, come back. Now, I just want to take a quick moment. The question was about the NL East. Spent a while on it. I think yeah, Braves are going to take the NL East. I really think the Mets are going to finish second because of their um, rotation of Degrom and Scherzer at the top, and Carrasco and Walker as your you know three and four. Not bad. Bullpen could use some improvement, but, you know, you look around the horn, um, you've got Pete Alonzo uh, first. I think he's, he's fantastic. You have, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Robinson Cano, but you know the guy can put a bat on a ball. Um, and then you have Eduardo Escobar, 
and Francisco Lindor with, you know, an okay outfield and Nimmo, Marte, and I guess Mark, I'm, and I actually have, I have to admit, I had to go to the Mets website to look it up, but uh, Mark Canha over in right. It's, it's, it's a solid team. I'm cheating because I think they're going to make a move at the deadline. Um, and they just seem like that kind of team. And Steve Cohen, if either of you guys follow him on t- Twitter, he just seems like the kind of guy who uh, he's, he's kind of like George Steinbrenner in the way that if they're not up to expectations, he'll make a move if for no other reason to make a move, but he won't make a move just to make a move. It has to have a little bit of, of flash to it. And I think he'll always find a way to make a little bit of flash in the off season and a little bit of flash around the trade deadline. Um, and I just think that's the way it's going to be moving forward in the same way that you see the Dodgers kind of do it because he has to. And, you know, I think it's, a, I, I, I'll get murdered in New York if I'm, if I'm heard by the wrong people, but uh, it's a Mets town from a baseball standpoint. And there's no reason it shouldn't be. I mean, uh, Yankees are a good team, but they're not the Mets and they're not as aggressive as the Mets. And I don't think the ownership wants it as much uh, in, in, in the Bronx as they do in Queens, but Listen, guys, I just want to give a quick note that we're, we're coming up on, on the hour, but I do have some extra innings. So I want to go around the rest of the divisions and take a, a little bit um, on the, the centrals and the west. But uh, what do you got for us, Mike? No, real quick, Mark Ken has a sneaky good signing for them. Um, he's not a huge average guy, but he gets on base a ton. And so him at the top of that order – uh, that's a sneaky, sneaky good signing for that team. And then you, you went around the horn and you didn't mention Jeff McNeil, who, though he struggled a little bit last year, has shown the propensity to be pretty good with the bat. So uh, that's another good I do, piece I, I do like Jeff McNeil. I left him out on purpose because I didn't want to jinx it too much and overhype Jeff McNeil. Um, Jeff McNeil seems like the kind of guy who uh, who, ha- who who – if you start saying his name enough, he'll start to disappear. But if you don't say his name, he'll, he'll be like, wow, yeah, that Justin Neal's doing all right. Um, you know, kind of like one of those. Jeff and we Mc- all know those kinds of kind of players. Jeff McNeil sounds like a guy that I would hire to do my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Nate. Now, speaking of taxes, let's check out the um, NL Central. Uh, what do you guys – how do you guys feel the way that division is going to shake out? Because, boy, I mean, if you look – you look at the way the NL Central finished last year. Um, I mean, is there is there anybody in the NL Central that that scares you right now? Uh, Mike, let's start with you on that one. Nobody scares me in that division. Um, I, I I do think that with Burns and Woodruff at the top of that rotation. Um, I think that Milwaukee, it's probably their division to lose. And listen, the Cardinals always find a way uh, to be competitive. I don't, I don't know what in the world Cincinnati's doing. Uh, Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh, and then we've, we've talked about the Cubs earlier. Uh, but I, I think that that division is, is a two-team race, and it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, once when those teams match up against other divisions, how they match up. But I think those are the only two teams in that division that have a legitimate shot um, to play into October at all. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any argument for you from me on that. Nate, what do you think of the end of the, of the, you know, vaunted NL Central uh, with the Cubs, Brewers, and others? I think the Brewers stood still 
which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not going to get them anywhere closer to postseason success. The Cardinals are the most annoying franchise in the history of baseball to me because they're always good for no reason whatsoever, and their fans just – since I've lived in Chicago, I've developed a new hatred for St. Louis Cardinals fans, and I hope that there are some of them listening to me, and I'll go at them all day with that. They're going to be good. I think the Cardinals probably win it. And what's really going to annoy me and will be the most annoying thing in the world to all Cubs fans out there is that I think the Cubs are going to find a way to be competitive after their deadline sell-off fire sale and everything that is evil about the Ricketts. He's going to spend all this money to buy the Chelsea Football Club now for $4 billion or whatever the most recent bid is while also crying poor mouth the whole way through the lockout about how they can't afford anything. And then they go out and they buy Seiya from the Nippon League. They spent the second most money in the offseason to buy a bunch of people that nobody knows after trading all their guys away. And somehow the Cubs are going to manage to find their way into the playoffs because the Brewers, not the Brewers, the Reds and the Pirates are both going to race to the absolute bottom. I was actually talking with my dad before we came on the air for this show, and I agree with him that the Pirates are going to find a way to sell off Kevin Newman, who is probably their second-best player after Key Brian Hayes, their starting shortstop. And Kevin Newman, whoever he ends up playing for after the deadline, is going to be an impact player. He was the most unlucky hitter in baseball last year. <laughs> so watch out for him. He, he was a, a sub-300 hitter, but he also had a 230 BABIP, which is just absurdly low. And for anybody that's listening that doesn't know the advanced stats, BABIP is batting average on balls in play. Usually you want your batting average on balls in play. You, you expect that to be around 330. Kevin Newman's was down at 230, which means every time that he was hitting the ball, somehow it was finding a glove, which is just insane. He's going to, like, Things are going to even out for him. He's going to have a great year. The Pirates are going to trade him. They're going to find a way. You know, we were hitting on all that stuff about there needing to be a salary floor. The Pirates are the reason for there needing to be a salary floor because right. Bob Nutting is the worst owner in all of baseball, and they're just going to race to the bottom. I, would not, I wouldn't even be surprised if Kid Brian Hayes is traded. Maybe not this deadline, but next deadline. So, Brian think, Reynolds is a solid piece on that team also. I mean, he's not – Oh, not a sec, man. He, he's not he a is, but I don't anywhere, but he's got a decent floor, and he's, he's, a, he's a decent player. My hot take of the year is I think Brian Reynolds is Chris Davis 2.0. Not, no. not K-Ritz, C-Ritz from the Orioles. Them fighting words. Um, gentlemen, I just want to move on to the NLS – uh, where we have um, last year, I mean, watching the Dodgers and Giants go back and forth was an absolute treat. You have also the Padres out there, and then, of course, the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies, who, uh, as we mentioned earlier, are one person. So, um, Mike, I want to start with you on the NL West. Uh, do you think we're going to see that kind of two-horse race with the Giants and the Dodgers? I mean, both of them, you know, did nope. some, made some moves in the offseason, or is it just the Dodgers running away? I think it's I think it's the Dodgers running away with this division. Listen, the Giants, everything had to really fall just right for them last year, and it did, and they shocked a lot of people, and, and they may shut my mouth again or have me come on this buffet with us. 
uh, another day and tell you that, uh, you know, I was wrong. You know, the other team that I think, obviously, that can make some noise in that division is the San Diego Padres. But now with Tatis' injury, it's going to be interesting to see how they can sort of uh, cobble that together. Because I I do think – listen, Bob Melvin is a very good manager. Um, He won with a lot less in Oakland. Um, And so I think that – I think that was a sneaky good pickup for them to have him as their skipper. Uh, I I believe that it would not surprise me to see the Padres finish ahead of the Giants. But obviously those three teams – and, you know, as far as the balance of that division, I think the uh, the Diamondbacks, uh, once they sink to the basement um, in that division, which could happen the first week of the season, I expect them to go ahead and uh, and pitch tents and set up camp and be there. Uh, even though we don't know what's going on with the Rockies, I think they'll be a little better than the Diamondbacks. But those two teams are going to definitely be uh, – are, are definitely not going to be very good, uh, I don't believe. All right, and uh, now that we've got the um, first round of the NL covered, and, and you know what, real quick, I, I just want to get one one thought from, from you. Will the addition of the DH, um, will that make any impact on how we view the NL this year? I do think in some ways maybe um, in that, I think that you're going to see as much offense from the from the National League as you do uh, the American League. You're not going to have that easy out at the bottom of the lineup. So, so I think that, uh, but at, in the in the grand scheme of things, I think no. I mean, I, I think you're going to have some good offensive teams, and but pitchers aren't going to be able to to coast at the bottom of that order where you had the the weak number eight hitter. And then you had the the pitcher spot. So, you know, in some lineups, it's almost like you've got an automatic out and a half at the bottom of that order. And I don't think you're going to be able to do that anymore. So I I think in some ways that's the the big difference. So in some Um, respects, you might say that it might be – so in some respects, you might say the managers in the National League might have to get more strategic in how they approach a hitting lineup. (laughs) Oh no! But I thought there was so much strategy to having the pitchers hit. Oh yeah, everybody goes. Everybody buys a ticket to the ballpark to see the double switch. <laughs> oh my God! Oh mate, that's beautiful. All right, fellas, let's, uh, let's finish. Let's finish on the East, which in in some ways I feel like is one of the most but least interesting divisions. Um, I'm going to start with me on this one, um, and I think it's the Blue Jays division to lose. I think the Rays will do what they always do and really chase people down towards the end. The Yankees should finish in a solid third, maybe fourth, depending on how the Red Sox do. Um, you know, amazing that we're doing this days after the Trevor story going to the Red Sox. I think that is a huge move for the Red Sox. Um, and it might be an underrated move. And, and you know, Cora is over there as a manager, uh, and I think he is a fantastic manager. I mean, he's the, he, he, he just kind of has it, scares me as a Yankee fan. So I kind of want to be uh, get my two cents in on the AL East, which I think will finish Blue Jays, Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox in one order or the other. I don't even want to fathom it being where the Yankees are in fourth. And then uh, let's go on to Nate. Nate, what do you think of the AL East? 
I will give you the AL East, but before I do that, I do want to chime in on a quick NL West. I think it's actually the Giants are going to win that division because uh, you touched on Rodon and you touched on uh, Discalifolini. I also think Matt Boyd signing him from the from the Detroit Tigers, sneaky good move. The Giants had this way of just picking up these former stud prospects that didn't quite work out, and all of a sudden they turn out to be studs in San Francisco. I think San Francisco wins that division again, and then it goes Dodgers, and then you have the Padres getting in on that expanded playoff finally, and I think that'll be great for baseball. And then the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, the Rockies just don't care and the Diamondbacks are just bad. But to go to the AL East, I have the Rays winning the division just because I still don't think the Blue Jays know how to win. There's a lot of talent there. They've got a lot of offensive skill. I don't know that they quite have the pitching. Maybe they do, and I'll be, and I'll be wrong on that one. But the Rays just prove every year that they know what they're doing, even though they do it on a shoestring budget to the bane of MLB existence. So I've got the Rays first, the Blue Jays second. I think the Red Sox finish third because they're going to hit. I have no idea who's I have no idea who's going to pitch for the Red Sox. I just really don't. The Blue Jays were fourth in the division last year, despite all of their talent. I really don't know what the Yankees have done to improve. So I think the Red Sox and the Yankees really both come back down to the bottom of the division. The Orioles, obviously, were going to be the worst team. I still think, though, that the Orioles have a chance at winning 72 games this year. I think the Orioles are going to be around 72 and 90. I think as some of our young studs, our young prospects get up there, they're going to be exciting to watch. There's a reason to actually watch Oriole baseball, not because they're going to be good this year, but because it it kind of feels like 2012 rolling back around again where we're approaching this nice little pocket of four or five years where they're going to be good for a small little stretch. Hopefully with Mike Elias and Sig Megdal, this is a longer than four or five-year pocket. But I, I like the Rays to win the division, and I think the Yankees are the ones that ultimately just didn't do enough of anything, anything. to get better. The, and the Red Sox, we know the Red Sox are going to hit. It's a question of who's going to pitch, and can they, they, they just can't roll. They did well enough to roll the dice last year and got good results, but at some point they have to come up snake eyes instead of coming up craps. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I, I think that's well said. And by the way, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't mean to. I think I cut you off on the NL uh, West. Sorry about that. Um, Not a problem. But uh, I'll make it up to you and have let you have the first crack at the AL Central, which last year somehow I don't still quite understand how the White Sox ran away with it. Um, and also, by the way, the inaugural Wait. season for the Cleveland Guardians. Do I not get the AL East? We'll let, yeah, we'll let Mike do the AL East first. Oh, fine. <laughs> no, I think Tampa, just because they're Tampa, like I feel like somehow, some way, this is, is their division again. But, uh, listen, I, I think Toronto adding a couple pitchers and with that offense, they're going to be hard to handle. It would not surprise me if Toronto finds a way to win this division, especially if Matt Chapman bounces back, right? Because he was, he was definitely down last year. It wasn't what we've seen from him from previous years. If you had him on your fantasy team, you were just definitely disappointed last year. 
Um, so I, with him, it, you know, if he bounces back, the Blue Jays could win that division. I think those two would finish at the top. I think I, I'm not sure who's going to pitch for the uh, for the Red Sox either. I do think uh, signing Trevor Story is a is a big move for them. Um, I think there's a possibility the Yankees finish fourth in that division. We really didn't have to go to you, Mike. <laughs> See, uh, only because you. <laughs> no, I mean I think you guys are right. I, I just I, the Yankees start trotting the same team out there, and you're hoping that uh, Aaron Hicks works out and Luis Severino returns to form. We got to hope a lot of things hit. Luke Voigt actually plays well. DJ LeMahieu is the machine. But you need literally all of the things I just said to happen without injuries from and um, a very brutal injury cycle the last couple of years. Anyway, let's 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 go over to the AL Central. Um, and uh, well, now that I've I've toasted both of you in consecutive divisions, um, let's go with. Um, Let's go with Nate first on the central, just alphabetically, and then and then Nate, when you're done, I'll let you pass it over to Mike. <laughs> Sounds good. I like the direction that the White Sox are still heading. I like that they, you know, they look like they made their step forward. You gotta believe, like everybody loved the Twins last year when we were literally this point in the calendar last year. I remember when we had. Uh, tie on the show for the orig- for the inaugural baseball buffet roundtable discussion. He was all about the Twins, saying how the Twins were going to take the division. And I think he may have called the Twins as the World Series champion. Don't quote me on that. I don't want to have to check the tape. But he, you know, him being the big time Twin City guy, it would not surprise me. I like what the Twins have done. I think they get back into the conversation, but I still think that the White Sox are the best team. I'm going to take the Twins second. I'm going to take the Cleveland Guardians, formerly known as the Indians, in third. You know what? I'm not taking the Guardians in third. I'm going to put the Tigers third. I think that they're young. I like what they've got going on. I think they make the next step forward. The Guardians are going to finish fourth. And then the Roy- yeah, the Guardians and the Royals are really going to fight it out there because the Royals, I remember at one point last year, they were playing above 500 ball. And I think they did they lead the, the AL Central for like a week last year. Yeah. Like very early on. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we get to see, uh, maybe we get to see Bobby Witt up for a period of time and he gets to show it out. I, I, I just think the entire division, nobody really stands out as good. So the White Sox, because they were able to walk away with it, they're going to win the division, but Tony La Russa is going to do what Tony La Russa does. He's going to spend way too much time at happy hour and end up driving the car into the ditch at the end of the, at the, end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, – I don't, I don't think the Twins have done quite enough to make it. Uh, a division-winning team. I like your call to the Tigers in third. I mean, that's interesting. And then, yeah, I'd see the Guardians finishing in fourth. I want to. Be- I want. I really do want to believe in the Twins, but um, you know, we'll see. Now, um, Mike, did you want to take a crack at the AL Central? Yeah, I think Correa is an interesting signing for them. His health kind of scares me, but also he's got a lot of incentive to be on the field with those opt-outs in, in this contract. Um, 
I I still think the White Sox win. I, I think if the White Sox can have a full year or two of like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez in that lineup to go along with Mancada and Tim Anderson and the other pieces, like this could be a, a, a very, very good offensive team. Um, and then what do they do on the mound? Uh, you know, you've got Jolito, you've got other pieces. So I, I think the White Sox win the division. I think that probably Twins, Tigers, Guardians, and uh, and Royals. But I, I will tell you this, like the Royals obviously have had to do a lot of, uh, they've had to get, you know, trade off some pieces and, and, and they're in the process of rebuilding. And it, it's a gradual process for, listen, uh, they're still a ways away, but I think they're they're taking some nice steps to try to get back there. It just may take them a, a little bit of time. But I really like what the Tigers are doing. Uh, when you look at, at how far down this team was just a couple of years ago, uh, you know, with, with the young pitchers and with, with the different things that they have in place, the Tigers are, are really uh, on a nice track to, to be a serious contender in a couple of years. I don't think that they're quite there yet. But I will say that unlike their counterparts in the National League Central, I think that there are some times that the teams that uh, that the Royals and Tigers, who very well could be at the bottom of this division, uh, I think they're still going to probably play a pretty entertaining brand of baseball. And there are going to be nights where they could be a lot of fun to watch. I think yeah, you're 100% I, I, right on there. The, the, yeah. the AL Central is going to be a lot more entertaining. Even if it's bad baseball, the AL Central teams are going in the right direction. The NL Central teams are not. Yeah, that's actually a really good juxtaposition between the two of them. Um, all right, I want to take a jump over to the AL West, where we have uh, one of my favorite things in baseball is that, uh, and this is literally the dumbest thing I think I'll say tonight, but one of my favorite things about looking at the AL West standings is that it's four teams with round logos and then the Angels. Uh, just a really silly observation, but it's just one that always jumps out at me, and I have a platform to call it out, so I will. Um, real quick, before we dive into the AL West, I just want to ask if you guys have seen this. I, this actually uh, – I, I, I'm seeing that this kind of came out today, the Otani rule, which is with the universal DH – if there's a pitcher who's also hitting in that team's lineup as the DH, when he comes out of the game, he's eligible to remain as DH. Now, let's be honest with you. There's literally one person that this affects who would be pitching and then taken out of the game and would, you'd want to keep him in as a hitter, and that is Otani himself. But I do find that an interesting kind of rule or uh, or clarification by baseball. And I think because Otani has the chance to be that sensation, in my opinion, this is one of the first times I can really remember baseball taking a rule or altering a situation that will truly benefit baseball from an entertainment standpoint because you're putting more – you're giving the fans more Otani. This is something that they don't do, which is give people what they want. And baseball, uh, it's taken them – 437 years, but they finally, I think, done something that will benefit the fans who want to see the stars out there, as we always talk about Mike Trout, and nobody could pick him out of a lineup, um, a police lineup, a baseball lineup, whatever it is. Um, so I just wanted to call that out. I didn't know if you guys had seen that. I think that's a pretty cool rule. Um, but I just want to take a quick uh, stab at the AL West standings. Um, 
And I don't think there's a whole lot for me to really decipher on this one. I think the Astros, you know, the Astros have over the last couple of years seen some players uh, leave leave the team. I I, I just I have a hard time saying anybody else is going to leapfrog them. Uh, but if anybody does, I mean, I think it will be the Angel, it will be the Rangers. Um, I think the Angels have a chance to put it together. Um, so I. I I mean, the Astros, the Angels, and the Rangers, to me, are great players in that division. The Mariners can be anything. The Mariners can be really good. The Mariners can be really bad. Uh, but I don't think as bad as it will get. I just don't see it being as bad as anything maybe the Athletics will do. Um, that's kind of my take on the AL West. I just don't expect a World Series champion to come out of this division. Um, let's go to, let's see. Hmm. Mike, I want to get your thought on the AL West, actually. I think that you know, it's funny that you mentioned those first three teams. I think the Mariners are going to be very entertaining to watch this year. I think they're going to break the drought, man. I think they're going to, you know, they're one of the longest droughts in, in professional sports and making the playoffs. I think they are going to find a way to get in. I'm going to say the Astros win the division. I'm going to say the Mariners finish second. Um, and I think the Mariners get a wild card spot. I the Angels are an interesting team. Uh, Otani's entertaining. Can we have Trout healthy for a good portion of the season, which we haven't seen for a while? And listen, the Angels, they had to take a gamble on a pitcher. But listen, if Syndergaard can even find a shell of what he was before, he could be an ace at the top of that rotation. I don't know that they have enough pitching to hang with these other two teams. Uh, the Rangers, you know, this was uh, not a great baseball team last year, and I still don't think they have a lot of pitching either. Uh, so I think you could see some uh, 12 to 8 type of games between the Rangers and Angels, especially when they're in the back half of the rotation. Mm. I think flip a coin for, between those two for third and fourth, and I think the A's finish a distant last this year, and they take uh, – Great steps in restoring the faith of the people of Oakland and getting that new ballpark with all the moves that they have made uh, in the off season. Uh, wink, wink. Yeah, I don't really believe that, but uh, so I, I think Astros, Mariners, uh, flip a coin between the Rangers and the Angels, and then the, the A's finish last. Oh, I clearly have more faith in the Rangers than you do, um, but hey, that's that remains to be seen. Nate, what do you think of the AL West? I mean, the Rangers spent some money this year, didn't they? <laughs> Just absolutely. As a Yankee fan, I feel like it has to translate, right? I think Houston is going to win the division because until somebody knocks Houston off, it's the same thing in the NL Central where the Brewers just the Brewers didn't get worse, the Astros didn't get worse, so the Astros will win the division. I think the biggest beneficiary of the expanded playoffs is going to be the Seattle Mariners and I'm all here for that. I want to see Pacific Northwest playoff baseball. Baby, let's just let's just do that. Let's have that be a thing. They haven't been in the playoffs since Ken Griffey, John Olerud, Ichiro Suzuki. Like, let's get that franchise back in the playoffs. I'm all for that and I think it happens this year. Same token, I like Mike Trout needs to be in the postseason. Let's get the A's back in the postseason. I think there's enough room in the American League for both of them to sneak in there and do the wild cards with the expanded playoffs. 
Texas, for all the money they spent, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the more money you spend in the offseason, the more desperate you become and the less likely you are to actually improve your position, which is part of the reason why I picked the Blue Jays to finish second in the AL East. It's part of the reason why I think the Cubs finished third in the NL Central, and it's why I'm picking the Rangers to finish fourth in the AL West. And, you know, that leaves us... That leaves us with Oakland, who's going into full-scale sell-off mode, and it's a shame. But Oakland, they, I read that they, they got the approval after 2019 and 2020. They are officially back into the revenue-sharing mold, but it's contingent on them getting a new stadium. So, you know, if all of this sell-off is going to keep the A's in Oakland – instead of making them move yet again to Las Vegas, then I'm in favor of it. They can be terrible this year. They can sell everybody off. They can lose 115 games. If it keeps them in Oakland, then keep them in Oakland. I don't want to see them become the Las, the Las Vegas A's because after they started in Philly, then moved to Kansas City and like worked their way over to Oakland, we don't need them going back east again. Stay in Oakland. Be bad in Oakland. Everybody loves you in Oakland. And then, you know, once you get your new stadium, then you become good again with your money ball tactics. Yeah, I mean, I I am very curious to know how uh, beloved they are in Oakland. I think, I, I don't know. I mean, with the way we see the money and stuff moving around, anybody can be bought. And, I mean, if, if um, I don't know, if, if you can see – I could see any franchise at this point really doing anything like that, but any any team right now, the athletics, especially with the stadium issues, I don't know. I've got a bad feeling that the athletics are not long for the AL West. But, gentlemen, uh, we have a, about five minutes remaining. Um, you know, Nate, uh, Nate uh, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm going to give you both about a minute or two each. Give us your your predictions for how you who you think makes it into the World Series, and um, give us your winner and maybe an MVP, and then I'll sign us off. Nate, let's start with you. Nate, you go first. Okay, uh, let's see. World Series. I'm going to go all Southern World Series. Let's go Tampa versus Atlanta, and I think Tampa just sneaks it out gets their first ever World Series title. And who you see being the uh, league MVP? Oh, both sides. Uh, oh, okay, both sides. Uh, AL MVP. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. Man, I really want to go Shohei Otani, but assuming a full healthy season of Mike Trout, can you really give that? To Otani. Yes, I'm going to default into Shohei Otani on the AL NL. Um, dang, I really have no idea who to give it to. You know what? Kyle Schwarber in Philadelphia is the DH. He's going to get the NL MVP. Ooh, uh, I'll give you, a, give, give you a really dark horse candidate there. I like, I mean, I, I love it. Uh, all right, um, Mike, what do you think? How do you think this whole thing shakes out? I think the World Series is going to be East versus West. I think it's going to be 
Dodgers and Rays. And um, see if I I didn't pick my Braves last year and they won. So I'm going to say Dodgers and Rays. And and I'm going to say that lineup for the Dodgers have is just too much. And so I'm going to say the Dodgers won the World Series this year. Um, But staying at home and for the Braves, I'm going to say that this is the year, even though maybe he doesn't get back until – uh, maybe first part of May. I'm going to say Ronald Acuna goes crazy and wins the MVP this year in the National League. Um, so there's my uh, homer pick, if you will. And then the American League MVP, That that's a tough one. I, I think Otani is the is the very uh, is, is the easy pick and, and is kind of the uh, the natural pick there, but uh, just to to pick a different guy, um, I will say that the American League MVP this season is going to be. Ooh, uh, I keep kind of going back and forth here. This is a. If I don't pick Otani, who I want to pick, I'm trying. I'm trying to give us a different, a different answer. All right, Mike. Um, just uh, give I'm gonna say Eloy Jimenez. All right, listen. I'm gonna say Jimenez. I got. I love it. All right, Mike. We are getting up against the clock here, uh, so I love your picks. I'm gonna just keep it simple. Um, I am going to go cheap on this one. I think you're gonna see the Dodgers come out of the West. Um, and I do like the Acuna um, as the MVP. And then on the um, AL side, I see it playing a little differently. I actually am going to say we have a Dodgers versus Blue Jays World Series because the Blue Jays will take out the Rays, and I also think we're going to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. as your AL MVP. Um, I don't know if he'll win the World Series MVP because Toronto, I think you'll actually see the pitcher step up. But I think a, do- a, 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 um, a Dodgers-Blue Jays World Series will be great. Gentlemen, it's been a blast. Just a reminder, everybody out there listening, this show has been brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company. And the PHI Apparel Company is online at phiapparel.co. Make sure you use our promo code CHEFS for 15% off, C-H-E-F-S. It has been a pleasure, like I said. Listen, it's been, um, it's been real. I look forward to talking to you all through the rest of the season. And uh, everybody else out there, have a good day.